from Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, April 27th, 2012. Is it really April 27th already? Wow. Uh, this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Hambone. Hey, everyone. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Sitting in for Maya. Back in black, Calvin. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. So uh, a couple things to note about this week's podcast. Number right. one, uh, this week, 30 Rock did a live show. Correct. It was pretty good. It was very good. You know, it's different, but it was good. You know, whatever. Did, did, did you watch? So you watched it? I did. Yes. Can, yeah. I, can I ask a quick question? Because I had T-Vode uh, the office in Parks and Rec. I don't know why I'm still TV in the office, but I am. But I, I turned it on, and, and Parks and, and, and Thirty Rock had been on before, and it looked like Alec Baldwin. They were doing like the send off, like Saturday Night Live style. Everyone's standing there, and Tina mm-hmm. Fey, you know, says goodbye and thanks for watching. Alec Baldwin looked like he just got done playing basketball. Like he was sweating <laughs> profusely. Like his hair was wet. He was in quite a few different scenes. Yeah, he was you know, running around. Costume changes. He was running around. Yeah. Okay. So, so, but, but that wasn't part of the plot. Like he was yeah. actually just really. No, sweating. he's just yeah. overweight. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. just middle aged and overweight. And you got to imagine the lights on a live TV show are probably pretty hot. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So, so like Thirty Rock, but not at all like Thirty Rock. For the first time ever, this podcast is being recorded on the day that it's being broadcast. So when you actually just said it's the week of April 27th, you actually meant it's today, the day of. Today is April 27th. And we can and, actually... And I should, I should mention, I'm sweating profusely right now. <laughs> so we so can make cultural references. We can actually talk about yeah. things that happened yesterday. That's great. Like 30 Rocks Live Show. And Parks and, and Rec. And Alec Baldwin sweating. Buddy but, Garrity was on Parks and Rec last night. The reason, yep. the reason why we're recording on Friday is uh, normally we record on Tuesday but I think Maya got sick or something or something happened on Tuesday so there was a, there was a major emergency yeah so so Chad said can we record on Thursday I have a busy week with the new issue coming up I got videos to, to do can we record on Thursday so yeah we're set to record yesterday and then Rick Warren swooped in and ruined it all so Rick Warren uh, I get a text like hey I'm in town I'm gonna stop by Eight minutes later, he swoops in. And so uh, we said, well, let's record something. So Rick Warren is coming up later on, on the podcast. We talk about some really interesting stuff he has going on. We weren't, a- we weren't able to play a game with him. We ran out of time. Well, yeah, so I tweeted yesterday, hey, Rick's coming. He, what people don't know about Rick Warren is that he's really funny. Like, he has a great sense of humor. And if, very, he's very purposeful as well. And with his humor. Wow. In with his, his life. Humor. Yes. And so, so I thought it would actually be a lot of fun. People have heard Rick preach or read his books, and, but, but a lot of people haven't seen his joking around side. And so it would be great to have, a, have him play one of our podcast games. So as soon as he gets here, I ask him, like, do you want to play a game? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Well, then we went to lunch, and we actually ended up talking about some really interesting stuff, and I thought we actually should talk about that on the podcast. So when we came back, we were like, they had to leave for the airport, so we're like, all right, we have X amount of time. 
All right, we'll do a short interview and then we can play a game, you know. And then the the discussion just got interesting and, and we ended up just talking and he didn't play a game with us. Which is really unfortunate because it would have been a lot of fun to play indie rock band or Rick Warren quote. <laughs> well, I had quite a few suggestions from Twitter. <laughs> and in fact, later I'll tell you what some of them were because we may have to get him back down here to we play might. some of these. They, they were pretty epic. Uh, we also have a guest coming up on today's podcast. Levi Weaver performs in our studio. Uh, great artist. Really excited about it. You won't want to miss that performance. So it's an unusual podcast that we're recording the day of, which limits our editing time. Longtime listeners know that we record for this hour-long show. We actually are in here recording four hours of drivel that then Chad has to spend three days taking out to Mm -hmm. make it somewhat listenable. Yeah, for 30 minutes of usable material. (laughs) We don't don't have that safety net today. Yeah. So So I apologize in advance for anything that might be offensive. (laughs) Offensive or unlistenable. (laughs) This is awful. Okay, so uh, before we get rolling, uh, I, I realized we introduced Calvin last week, but we didn't get to know Calvin last week. So anytime anybody's joined our podcast, I I usually like to let the listeners get to know him a little bit. So uh, give us the elevator pitch. Who is Calvin Keerley? Well, look, first of all, you don't need to keep saying, you know, making up excuses for shuffling the day of the podcast around. You know, I'll do it again, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Just to get that out of the way. You're uh, available. I'm available. Uh, No one else is calling. (laughs) And you and Chad already have such a strong bond because of your cubicle neck rubs. <laughs> well, cubicle neck in rubs. the sense of office desks. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> I was going to say, Not do you know a, a new method shape. of massaging that I don't know about? That some sort of cube pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Although they are, Chad's a Yankees fan and Calvin is a Red Sox. Yeah, fan that is now. the one thing that we disagree on. Yeah. Do, do you guys wear New Era hats and like sit there and, and talk about the rivalry humorously? Well, yeah, pretty much. I have exactly a New Era Boston Red Sox hat, and I we have a little dividing shelf, and I will just subtly place my hat. Do you call that shelf the big green monster? (laughs) We do. We do, yeah. Uh, And uh, it's much closer in my side than it is on his. Uh, And uh, so I'll turn turn the hat so it's logos facing him, and then he'll just be working through his day, and then just in the middle of something, he'll notice it, and I'll just hear him go, oh, nuts. You you always know which team has won the night before because (laughs) that team's hat is sitting on the green monster. I was going to say, so has your hat just been sitting out all year, Chad? (laughs) I was going to say say Chad's, Chad's response this year could just be to whisper Boston's record. Right. Yeah, right. or just say Bobby Valentine. <laughs> oh, how's that working out? Poor Bobby Valentine. You know who we really need? We need, we need Billy Rubin back. Uh, <laughs> the 50 slugger yeah. who was so famous they named a sandwich after him. Yeah. Okay, so people, so somebody tweeted about, uh, about our little uh, biology lesson in last week's podcast saying, oh, they're trying to act like they're so smart and they know what they're talking about. And I'm like, and I replied to the person, I'm like, no, we weren't. We were just joking around and they're like it didn't sound like it it sounded like you guys were trying to be educated about biology and i said oh yeah because we were dead serious about the billy rubin and the and the (laughs) duodenum i had to look up how to spell duodenum (laughs) to reply to this person and then found out that billy rubin was one word yeah that was really yeah Yeah, i was entering in the podcast description and i was spelling it r-e-u-b-e-n like the sandwich (laughs) right i mean i in my head it's two words billy and then the reuben sandwich we'd like to formally apologize to medical students nationwide (laughs) for anything we have or will say about the human anatomy and if it makes the person feel any better i like 
No, none of us is smart because I was on the Wikipedia entry for right. liver. Right. Right. Trying to right. figure out what it did. Right. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Like, we were being we'll, we'll pretend to be, you know, knowledgeable about a lot of things. But biology, the anatomy, no. No. Yeah. Not at all. But, but things that actually have consequence in this life. Like no. sandwiches? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're asking us Ninja Turtles trivia and which one's the coolest, we got that covered. Right. We're going anatomy. Nope. Pass. <laughs> Next. So the elevator pitch. Who is Calvin Clearly? Wow, I'm, I feel on the spot, Chad. You might have uh, you might have your hands full editing this out, <laughs> but um, I am a, a 32 year old Scorpio. We don't believe in that. We're I, I know. It's just you know, this is for the medical students out so, there. So, so you're into the dark arts, <laughs> mostly. I believe that Hobby, all hobbies of, include the dark arts. I believe we all just, of the Lord of the Rings books are true. <laughs> um, actually, I've never read one of them. I pretended to read The Hobbit once in like sixth grade for a book report. I felt really bad about it because I didn't actually read it. Um, <laughs> what would you get on the book report? I probably a B. That's usually what I got. What? How? <laughs> how could B you level. have gotten a B on a book report for a book you didn't read? Mostly, I read like the first few pages in the in the spine, just the description on the back, and I just kind of tied it all together. That's with, all you really need to do with Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. It no. just kind of you know, there's a journey. This is a hobbit. Yeah, and then you just take logical guesses of what would be in a fantasy book. Right. Yeah. Like there's a, a wizard. dragon, probably. There's probably a wizard in there. Yeah. yeah, when the hobbit encountered the orb, wow, that was great. And what a journey. <laughs> that sounds like your marketing copy that you write today. Yeah, relevant. What a journey. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the orb. Yeah, three exclamation points. <laughs> but uh, I'm, uh, I have a... Uh, great wife. Uh, I don't really know what to say in these things. Is that like a great grandmother? Um, yeah, yeah. She's seventy-five years old. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, she keeps really well, moisturizes, uh, plenty of Werther's original candies, which is great. Um, a great wife would actually be a nice thing to have because you have a grandmother. But then if you have a great grandmother, it's just like a bonus grandmother, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. if you had a great wife, I mean, it's just all the butterscotch you can handle. It's like uh, it's like that Seinfeld where Jerry and George uh, tag teamed on Jerry's girlfriend. Yes. Not not I mean, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? Like 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 uh, George didn't. It was the summer of George. He didn't have anything to do, so he yeah, uh, did all yeah. the errands. Uh, except for the party invitations, he didn't do those. But remember that I you do remember. Okay. I remember the summer of that George. Would, I would think that's what a great a great wife would do. She would just fill in the gaps, tidy up the house, mm-hmm. bring the candy. Well, she <laughs> brings all sorts of emotional candy, and we we have a beautiful five month old baby boy. And um, congratulations! Thank you so much. He doesn't do much. Is his name Worthers? Yeah. <laughs> this is my son Worthers. Original. Yes, yes. Uh, his name is Crosby, and uh, he's great. He smiles a lot, and uh, he's almost sitting up. So we're about the same in our physical abilities. So why'd you name him Crosby? Uh, named him Crosby. Did you ever see that show Parenthood on NBC? Love it. They have a yeah. character named Crosby, which is kind of where the he's kind it, of a slacker loser, though, isn't he? Yes. Well, he's his, his story arc is kind of developed. He's getting his life I sto- together. I stopped watching after the second season. I like it. It's yeah. just heavy, and it that's is. not what I'm in the mood for on Friday nights. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I agree. Um, but so that's what entered. Uh, that's what brought the word into our vocabulary. And then we looked up what it meant, and we really liked the meaning of it. And we found a great middle name. Has nothing stuff. to do with Stills and Nash. Nothing, I was going to say, if you have other uh, other children, will you, would it be Stills, Nash, and Young? If you named your next kid Young, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> And then if they have a fifth kid, do they just name him Crazy Horse? <laughs> these these are my sons, Crosby, Sills, Nash, and Young. 
And Crazy Horse. And Crazy Horse. <laughs> and Crazy Horse. He's adopted. No, that should be your dog. I think I'd like to switch up the genres, actually. If we have another kid, we'll name him Ludacris or something. <laughs> <laughs> the Rizza? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. This is my son, Crosby. This is the Rizza. <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, so that's the elevator pitch. Great wife. Great. Five, five-month-old. Uh, he won't stay five months old. That's true. So. Right, that's true. Uh, where are you from? I'm originally from South Florida. I mean, but you lived in, in Boston for a while. I lived in Boston for like three years. Because you went to school there. I went to school there for a little while. Where'd you go? Berkeley College of Music. But it did not last very long. Berkeley's a very weird place. <laughs> uh, any, anyone were that went there will in tell what, you that. In what way? In what way? It's, uh, it's just a very strange... They have a very strange... Um, educational process and uh, a lot of famous people have gone in and out of there so not just me <laughs> <laughs> so you and uh, other famous people right you <laughs> know us famous people we don't really like to talk about it uh, John Mayer I think lasted maybe a year there you really don't last long there not many people did, graduate. You, did you know John Mayer when you were there I did were not you, were you his roommate actually I was the inspiration for uh, the body is a wonderland <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're assuming yeah so so that's uh, how I was able to get such a great wife. So did you? Did, so what did you study there? The saxophone? I know I studied film scoring. Really? Yeah. But this is back before like all the digital Pro Tools stuff. So they would actually have you splice tape, and I just could not. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. You're not fifty. I mean, they had digital when you were in college. They weren't teaching it at Berkeley in 1998. That's crazy. I was going to say, I worked in radio when I was 17, and I was splicing radio tape yeah, at so, that time. Yeah, they had like a, you know, a counter, a time clock, and they were you know, wanting you to cut tape and stuff. And, but I didn't really get, to too, get into too, many of that, too much of that. Well, what types of films did you want to score? Mostly Jurassic Park films. <laughs> yeah. Anything dinosaur related. Mostly Japanese buddy comedies. <laughs> oh, okay. That's really where my passion okay, is. Okay, you, you know, we <laughs> used to have a, a theme, an intro music for this podcast. Uh, I mean, back in the early days. Maybe with you on our team now, you could score this podcast for us. That'd be great. I have an idea, if you, if, if you don't mind. Something kind of like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So basically, chariots this, of fire. Yeah, chariots of fire. Or I was going to say the score for Halloween. Yeah, or Friday the Thirteenth. It's somewhere in yeah. that. Yeah. Wait, just, how are Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, the chariots of fire that, the same? They have that. They have that sound throughout. Yeah. Kill, 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 kill. That's, <laughs> that's seriously like the entire you, soundtrack. You just yeah. ruined chariots of fire for me. Or, or can we get a ch- 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 <laughs> only if we get John Tesh? Oh, yeah. I would actually like the Law and Order theme to be our theme. I love me. I love me a clarinet solo. Yeah. More about me. I played the. I played the clarinet in high school. I played the clarinet for ten years. What chair? From like fifth grade till twelfth grade. So that's not ten years. Were you first chair? I eventually I did get first chair, Jesse. I did. I was second for a while though. Uh, you're bringing that in, and you're I gonna, don't own it anymore. I will oh, rent. We will you rent one. you one. Yeah. yeah, I'll buy one on. <laughs> you do now. I, I'm we'll very, buy one for I'm, the studio. I'm very particular about my read size. <laughs> so, so I, I, Chad, I think we, you know, like we bought the piano and the guitar for the studio for bands when they show up. We need to have a standby clarinet. Yeah. Uh, for just, office parties, you know. Well, yeah, and any band that might come in that might have left their clarinet on the road, well, or a band that comes in and says, "Man, do you guys know any clarinet players?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we need a solo, right? Right. right. 
Do you play the sax too? Because it's a reed instrument. I, I and I know the the sax has a nice comeback right now. The reed is similar. Similar. There's some notes I could play. There's similar fingers. All right, we need to pick up a sax. But I I wouldn't be able to pull off a sax too well. Like the whole bending in between notes and like. The jazzy guy so on the you, sidewalk you, at night. I can't do that. But how you, long? You, you can't, can't practice. Well, that's kind of the point of a sax, though. What, what about? Can you do that with the clarinet? Uh, I, I could at one point. Oh, we can come back. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. We have a great uh, practice space across the street. Our that's studio. true. Yeah. Nobody walk. will bother you. Just just practice, and then I think really every staff uh, cupcake party birthday celebration right. from now on. I hope, we, when I hope we you sing all... happy birthday, he needs to accompany us on the clarinet. <laughs> I hope you all like scales. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the two things I like on any sort of flute-like instruments is scales and hot cross buns. Do you know that song? <laughs> mm, I'll learn it. I, I'm only saying it because I used to be pretty good at the recorder. So <laughs> <laughs> I knew several songs. Ryan, do you play the instrument? Actually. Uh, I used to play trumpet. Did you really? I did. Oh, How, wow. What were you, like second grade? No, like until like tenth grade, like until so for several several years from fifth through tenth. Did you ever bust it out when your fam- missionary family would go around to churches? No, that, we only sang Twilight Paris songs. Uh, but why, if you, listen, if you have if you have a ten year old, you didn't believe in the clarinet. If you if you have a ten year old who can bust out a trumpet solo, right? Well, that's going to move the crowd. I started after the last time my parents had me perform oh. because like. After that point, it was like around the time when they were like, hey, maybe this is not good for our kids. Uh, so we didn't <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> you turned out all right. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I mean, but you, you do was, have an odd affinity for Twilight Paris. It was though. because of that. <laughs> Very so odd. We, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I played. Uh, I did play with a ska band one time though, for a little while. Oh, they, uh, they were called Malice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you're saying Snoop Dogg stole that from you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, they were called Malice. Yeah. And okay, so your trumpet, your clarinet, anything else? Piano, guitar. Oh yeah, that's right. You play guitar at church. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's actually at very the good same guitar. time. Yeah, that's kind of my he, gimmick. I feel that it enhances the worship experience. He's like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. He's yeah, got all the instruments all going at once. <laughs> I got buckets. I got some cymbals tied to my knees. feet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to your knees and yeah. <laughs> uh, Chad, what do you play? I play keys and guitar, and do a lot of like synth programming, drum programming, electronic music. You know, we could have a podcast band. We totally could because you play the piano as well. I do play the piano. It's true. We could be called the Pod Outcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we need to co-op Ma- Malice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, I I, Ryan, is Malice in Wonderland broken up? Can we have that? <laughs> yeah, they broke up. <laughs> Can we have their Twitter handle? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was long before Twitter. See, I I don't play quote unquote uh, electronic drums, <laughs> um, but I do know some Phil Collins drum fills. So. <laughs> nice. That's all you need. Nice. You can't teach it either. Like you, either, you, you either born with those fills in you, or you just don't know them. Fills. You know, I like I what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I was born with fill in me. <laughs> and I'm not talking about drum fills. I'm talking about the spirit of Phil Collins. <laughs> I, I, I feel it in the air tonight, every night. <laughs> uh, speaking of music, uh, entertainment releases coming out. Music coming out on Tuesday, May first. Santa Gold with the uh, highly anticipated. Really, it's not our pick of the week. That's crazy. We've been waiting on this album for four years. Yeah, I know. I have two, but the pick of the week is a little bit stronger for me. That's what I want with it. You'll see. You'll get there. 
Master of My Make Believe is the uh, Santa Gold uh, song or uh, album. Rufus Wainwright is uh, coming out with Out of the Game. See what he did there? Came out mm. of the game. Mm-hmm. Get it? Yeah. Mm. And uh, Chad's pick of the week, Nora Jones with Little Broken Hearts. Here it is. Yeah, it's good. Okay, I get it. But uh, Danger Mouse produced this yeah, record. Yeah, I know. But but Santa Gold, come on. Nora Actually, Jones puts out an album every year. You know, there was uh, an album that I forgot to put on here this week. Ryan, you would be impressed with this. Point of Grace has a new record out this week. <laughs> is, I would only Finally. like it if it had Great Divide over and over again. <laughs> is that the song you sung with your parents when you went around as missionaries? No, we sang Carry the Light by Twyla Paris. <laughs> were, you, were you guys called the Traveling Hams or the Ham family? The Ham, the, the Hamily. No. I had an album of the ha- the Ham family. Yeah, my my, uh, you, you, my great you wife. You should have all had it. egg shakers and been ham and eggs. <laughs> oh man, no, that was their <laughs> second like, album. It's, no, it's just acapella with egg shakers. That was a weird summer because like we traveled around to so many churches, and mostly what I remember is like having to go to youth group and stand up. When like when you you know you're a 12 year old kid who like is kind of an introvert and the youth pastor's like and we have some visitors here from overseas would you stand up and it's like okay I don't know. hey that's line. the guy from ham and eggs I don't know this <laughs> and I never I didn't have a starter jacket it was embarrassing yeah no starter jacket yeah. you like Donatello as yeah. your favorite Ninja Turtle it was just a rough a rough childhood okay movie releases coming out Friday May 4th Marvel's The Avengers. It's getting a lot of really good reviews. Like yeah. 90-ish percent fresh. Uh, the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, starring Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, and others. Uh, and also LOL, starring Miley Cyrus and Demi Moore. Oh, that's going to be awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, so if The Avengers is sold out, <laughs> LOL, starring Miley Cyrus and Demi Moore. Okay, that'll do it for entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. You're listening to House of Heroes. The song is Touch This Light from their new album. The video is playing right now on Relevant TV. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Mark Foster, Kimbra, and A-Track with the song Warrior, Mark Foster from Foster the People. Uh, it's available from Converse right now. It's a single available from Converse, which is when you know guys are making bank, when uh, labels or brands are just putting out music by them. They are all stars. Oh no, yeah. he did not do that. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Well played. It's an all-star lineup from Converse. Yeah. yeah. All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, um, I have a slice. But real quick, I just want to address something. Uh, I was put on blast uh, on Facebook, uh, pretty much by Maya. Um, oh, this past week. Well, she's not here to defend herself. Well, he, Calvin, I just Calvin want. Can. I just want yeah. a quick feedback on this issue. It was it was indirectly by her. 
she put on there that it's a huge pet peeve of hers when people oh, use the yeah. bike for a wave, right? And then they pull their food out a little few seconds early and don't press the button to turn it back to clock mode. <laughs> yeah. How'd she okay? put you on blast? How'd she know you'd live in another because, state? No, because Dana saw it and was like, ooh, Jesse is the, uh, you know, a, a repeat offender on that. And then people were like agreeing with it. And, and I'm just saying, do you guys agree that that is not a big deal at all? No, I hate it when people do that. I can, I can, I can honestly say this. Never done it. So I didn't even know this was a thing. I do it all the time, and I, and I don't even think twice about it. Because you know why? Because people wear watches, and they have cell phones, and there's clocks everywhere. A microwave is not a clock. It's, it's, a, it's a cooking device. <laughs> nice. More often than not here, when I, when I use a microwave, I'm going to the microwave, and there's still time left on it. I use that time. And I go ahead, <laughs> and I Thanks. heat whatever I was going to heat up for that 15 seconds, because that's just free time. Thank you. That's, you see, Calvin, you, you under, I think we understand each there's other. There's a reservoir of heat and time, and it piles up. It's like you save Don't waste me. it. I, I save the person that's using the microwave after me a few seconds of having to punch in their time because I left, I left 12 seconds on there for you. Yeah, I seriously hate it when people leave time on the microwave. I do it all the time. I never reset it. I like will get just like if I'm going to get water or something, I'll reset it when I walk by. I'll put time on there for <laughs> going to get, or just to irritate people that get irritated by it. You I'll are, walk by a microwave and just go, and it'll be like a weird time, like not like someone just hit the thirty second button. You're like, like the one seconds. You're like the ED Amin of household appliances. I, I just I just think look, household appliances are supposed to serve a purpose, and they're not clocks. You know, like I, I just think yes, people they need are. To there's a clock on the thing. No, I, I don't think her beef is that she can't see the time. I think her beef is that then she has to go and undo and reset. No, and no but that's the thing. She doesn't have to do that. <laughs> just walk right by. Just do what I do. See something like that and just be like, eh, and just keep No, 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 hold on, no, no. Okay, so, but isn't the point of it? It's like you, when I see a piece of trash on the ground. I'm like, yeah, someone will get that. You, you, poop, you put your... <laughs> That'll find its way to some more trash or landfill at some point. I'm not picking that dirty thing up. <laughs> Who knows who threw that there and why <laughs> but, they threw but, it But, you know, like the next person who wants to use the microwave may just want to punch their time in and then go about their business for two minutes and come back. What you're making them do is they have to stand there for the 17 seconds that you've left on there. Then they have to put their time in. You're inconveniencing the next person. Or they could just hit the clear button. But why are you making them hit a button? Why don't you just hit the button? When you pull because your food out I'm early, think, hit clear. I, I'm like Alan, like that's free time. And heat. <laughs> and heat. Yeah, and heat, exactly. Well, uh, Mitch Hedberg, former uh, comedian, um, but he described the microwave as a clock that occasionally cooked stuff. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think I disagree with him there. But, you know, anyway, well, I just I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not a terrible person. Like someone posted on Facebook one time, if you don't return the shopping cart to the little shopping cart holder in the in – the, uh, in the, the parking corral. lot, the you're corral. a terrible person. The corral. Yeah, that's true. I, I disagree with that, too. Jesse. Two, can I, can I just want to throw out two reasons. One, I used to work at a Kmart, and the highlight of my day was going out to get the shopping carts. Get to walk around a little, get out of the store. They don't I know feel how like both those gone. statements are just really sad. I used to work at a Kmart, and the highlight of my day was corralling carts. It was. Then I huffed glue in the parking lot. Well, and the other thing, too, is, look, sometimes those little corrals are not in convenient spots. You know? Like, I'm going to put two wheels up on the curb. Of of the the parking, you know, so my cart doesn't roll away. It's not like I empty my groceries and I'm like done with the cart and just 
throw it across the lot. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I not, might not return to the corral, but I'm not just letting it go wild. I feel like eventually some uh, Al-Qaeda operative is going to use this entire segment to illustrate the downfall of the West. Yeah, why America <laughs> is evil. Yeah. Right here. Don't even take their shopping carts So back. you're telling me all of you guys put your carts back in the corral every time? Actually, I try to because of the fact that it'll damage other cars. Yeah. I try to. I'm not saying I'm 100%, but it is a and conscious effort. And it'll take up parking spots, too. Well, like I said, it's not like I'm just violently rolling it down the hill or something. Uh, but what if the parking lot doesn't have uh, uh, the curbs all through the spaces mm-hmm. and stuff? Uh, how are you securing it so it doesn't roll and ding another car? I turn one of the wheels <laughs> with my foot. That ensures it does not roll away unless it gets real windy. I was saying, well, gust of wind, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, most of the time, I will return the cart to the corral, but right as I'm about to push it in, I'm kind of upset that I, I had to do this and walk over here, so I'll just shove it in. Yeah, I've actually... Yeah, just yeah. really jam... See, yeah. I'm not a vandal. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing against the You shop. might be. Your vandalism is entirely dependent on the whims of the wind. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's not my fault. <laughs> yes, it is. Completely. You left a projectile in harm's way. weather. <laughs> Well, maybe that trash that you left on the ground will just catch the wheel so that it keeps it from the car. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I have to confess, I used to. This is my former life. I used to dump trash into parking lots out of my car. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> See, that's that's messed up. Well, here, you know, okay. No, hang on one second. What you're saying, like the equivalent of me seeing a trash blow down the street, and not get it. I didn't put it there. Okay, hold but on. But that's like no. the equivalency is I I put the shopping cart up on the curb, maybe not on the corral, but like two <laughs> wheels on the grass. That's like equating that to the guy who, when you see a shopping cart like half in one of those like holding ponds. That that's the guy that jammed that no. the sociopath that pushed a shopping cart in a lake. <laughs> no, no. So I uh, my I had a rationale. I would never litter anywhere but parking lots of businesses because, <laughs> and not just businesses like retail establishments uh-huh. that had like carts and stuff like that because I was helping the local economy because they had to pay somebody to go out there and pick up my trash and so therefore somebody got employed by my action. And well, let me tell you this. As a I guy, did, that used, the highlight, you would ruin the highlight of my day if I was out there <laughs> trash, too. I'm there to roll carts, not clean up your mess. <laughs> but if the parking lots are always spick and span, they wouldn't pay anybody to clean them, and then there's somebody unemployed. I'm provi- I was providing gainful employment You're just for doing local your economy. Part. You're right. just doing your part. You know what? Yes, we can. <laughs> You're stimulating the economy. That's, 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 what, that's what I would say. As as a mortified passenger would look at me dump my McDonald's bag into the parking lot. And then lot. they just like slow clap. I, I, no, I would, I would go. I'm helping the local economy. What? <laughs> and then, and the, But I don't do that anymore because I'm trying to live a, a more green life and uh, trying to not be wasteful and lower my footprint. So now look at the unemployment rate. That's all I'm saying. That's all well, I'm saying. It, it, between you and those like weird little robots that create the shopping cart train at Target, <laughs> you're destroying our way of life, Cameron. <laughs> I mean, you talk about the you top down economics. I mean, between that that weird little, you know, uh D two that's out there collecting carts for us and you not throwing trash anymore. You just call it an R D two? No, R2-D2. Oh, if it was an R2-D2, that would be a great idea for a park robot that would pick up dog <laughs> refuse. Oh, yeah. R2-D2? Right. Yeah, like that. Awesome. Patent that. 
So kind of like a Roomba, but, yeah. but for but bigger, yeah, and for parks, yeah, maybe but, solar but, but powered. You, you guys know the shopping cart thing I'm talking about, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yes, of course. I never. They didn't have those at Kmart, but they were <laughs> awesome. That's Topper. a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> they currently yeah, you would think once we got the Kathy Ireland connection, the, ne- <laughs> the next thing we'd have is that sharp shopping cart Roomba. But no. <laughs> well, at, the, at my Kmart, they had the K Cafe. <laughs> it was just hot dogs, pretzels, and lemonade, though. <laughs> How often did you eat there? Every day. Oh, daily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you get a discount? I always wondered that. No, you you get nothing there. It was I, I'm not I'm not trying to malign Kmart, but it's a terrible place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to malign it, but never no, ever. No, but suffer. I worked I worked <laughs> I worked in the mulch corral. Did you work at a big like, keg? Like, was it like a if you keg? get mulch, you know what I'm saying? Like if you want like some pine bark or whatever. Yeah. I was the guy that's waiting back there in that hot little fenced in corral and put it in your trunk. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> no wonder you got excited to go get the carts. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If that was your job, cart gathering would be the best thing ever. All right, so what do you got for slices, Jesse? Okay, so um, the... Anyone who's ever been to like a Bennigan's or like a Ruby Tuesdays or an Applebee's has probably had the idea that it'd be hilarious to take like a weird picture of themselves, put it in a quirky frame and stick it on the wall. I know I do. <laughs> um, so uh, a, a former military officer, well, I'm not sure what his rank was, but he used to be in the military, um, had a picture of himself when he graduated the Naval Academy in 1982. His parents were very proud of him. So the the picture, which is very large in a very ornate frame, looks like it was taken to the Sears Portrait Studio back in the 80s. Um, and anyway, it, it be, kind of became a joke now that, uh, you know, uh, 30 years have passed and the guy's now in his 50s and he's hanging out with his buddies and um, some of them still have connections in the military. So they decided to take this really goofy looking portrait and hang it in the halls of the Pentagon. And so they took the portrait and they, they added a caption uh, that said, I think the year was 1902 and it had a name that they made up and it just said lost at sea. Anyway, the portrait of this guy stayed in the halls of the Pentagon for over a year until someone from a newspaper asked about the origins of it, and the gig was finally up. But if you look at the portrait and the cheesy quality of the, of the photograph, as well as the hairdo, which is clearly blow-dried, uh, it, it makes the, the, the prank all the better. That's awesome. <laughs> but like I said, it's kind of renewed inspiration to do like the Applebee's thing. It's kind of know? a Banksy move where he would hang art in the uh, museum. Yeah, except this was making no social statement. This was uh, <laughs> just some some goofy dudes. How could you pull off the... Uh, some bad dudes. How could you pull off the art in, in Fridays? Because, I mean, they'll see you walk in with it. That's really the key. It's not doing it when nobody's looking. It's how do you get it in the building without being suspicious? Well, it depends on... How, like, if you want, like, a really big picture of yourself, you know, it, or, or, like, and you want to make it black and white and you're playing football or something, it looks like it was from the 80s. Like, something they would have at one of those places, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe you want to bring in, like, an old tennis racket to jam up there next to it. <laughs> Um, all right, yeah, I know I, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. All right. So take notes. All right, someone goes in beforehand. Uh-huh. Like maybe there's two or three to you know to leave suspicion, and it's one of your birthdays, and you you say, ah. hey, it's my friend's birthday. Now the whole wait staff is going ah. over and wishing you a happy birthday. Oh, nice. The other guy comes in with the painting, comes in with you know, a little hammer, or whatever, puts it on the wall, steps out. The fly out. fishing rod. No like one's the wiser. Chest. 
Or or you just the way you get the merchandise in is you put it in the birthday bags like you're yeah. going to a birthday party. Right. And then it's easy. You walk right in the door with it. Yep. And you can just spray paint out the cameras. You know. Kill the bus boys. Kill the bus boys. <laughs> Speaking of Fridays, you know, it makes me think that there's uneven there's uneven like opportunity there in those restaurant chains. Like you have Ruby Tuesdays. Right. You have Fridays. Right. Where's the rest of the week? Right. Really. You know? Really. How you're come- supposed to eat at home, I guess. Yeah, how come no one opened up a Sammy Saturdays or something? And <laughs> I don't know. It's just a little bit of insight. <laughs> Chew on that. <laughs> little market analysis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I never thought about yeah. it. If the uh, if uh, anyone from Darden Restaurants or Olive Garden's listening, it's like you're welcome. <laughs> Sammy of, Saturday, Olive Wednesdays. All right, what do you have okay. there, Calvin? Well, um, I'm liking. Uh, I like to keep my slices regional last okay. last week i talked about the uh the ipad thing in japan and the kidney or the liver the duanum the right the uh so uh i would like to bring another story from the far east in uh what i would consider one of the smartest most brilliant ceremonial first pitch stagings ever at a baseball game um over there in japan they had at the tokyo dome they had the girl from the ring come out and throw the first pitch, the ring, and then their their original version, the ringu. What's the ring girl? It is a motion it's, picture of a scary variety. I don't watch scary movies. About uh, a ring. No, it's about. A, <laughs> Isn't that called Lord of the Rings? There's a tape, and when you watch the tape, you you have a week to live. And then this girl who has cover her entire face is covered in black hair. It's okay. really creepy. It comes after you. And in the movie. She comes out of the TV and she's all covered in kind water. Like poltergeist, and, uh, right? And crawls at you. Yeah. So they had this girl with the whole uh, flock of hair in front of her face throw the first pitch, and she actually threw a decent slider. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I don't get the appeal of watching scary That's movies. Terrifying. Why? I mean, why do you want to put? It's, that it's in, fun. Why do you put that in your spirit? It's just evil. I don't like it. Evil in, evil out. Yeah, but but it's fiction though. Is it? Oh, the really dark ones. I don't know. Would you want? Would you want little Crosby to be watching the scary movies? Not not until he's at least two years old. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, he's five months. I'll, I'll give it another five, and then we'll make that call. Okay, what do you have, Ryan? All right. Uh, so, obviously, right now, Mad Men is on, and it's one of the big topics. Of not literally right now. Not literally right Sunday now. Sunday night. Like, well, it depends Sunday when they're listening, listening to this to podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's true. true. So, right now, Mad Men could If you're be listening on. to this Sunday night at 10 o'clock, yeah. as, as you know, right now, Mad Men. We should on. do a version of the podcast where we are live tweet. Live. Live. Commenting, yeah. an episode of Mad Men, but we pre-record it, <laughs> right? So it, we're just kind of guessing. So we're just making guesses. Like, wow, that Roger sarcastic. My, they are fashionable. He was on. He was on LSD <laughs> and, and agreed to a divorce with his wife. That scene was amazing. Anyway, so this past week, uh, one of the storylines in Mad Men was about how the main character Don Draper was going to a Howard Johnson hotel, right? Um, it, that's all you really need to know for this slice. So uh, the the Howard Hotel, the Hojo, the Hojo, yes. So Howard Johnson obviously still exists and is still around. Um, and they're trying, so they're trying to make amends. Apparently, this is according to CNN. Uh, for so in the show, in the episode, they come and apologize to him because uh, a kid had an accident in the pool and they had to close the pool. So the real life Howard Johnson is uh, saying that they are sorry for you know a pool that ruined Don Draper's vacation. So they are offering um, a free stay to anyone named Don Draper 
uh, through May 8th. So if your name is Don Draper, you wait, are entitled wait, to a free... Wait, you can stay there that like for the duration? No, 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 like just a, night? a one night stay. Okay. Uh, so you can... So anytime between now and March 8th, you can book, and as long as you book before August 31st at... Uh, w- Although one of eight Howard Johnson locations, so you know you're kind of limited. But if your name is Don Draper, you have a free place to stay. My question is: is what if your name is Dick Whitman? Oh. Then do you get to stay for free? That's a good question. Yeah. Or if your name is Don and you own a drapery business, and Don's you're Don known. Everybody calls you Don. Yeah, you're the kind of known as Don the Draper. Yeah. yeah. Like we're well, like, hey, come on, people call me that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have to get it on a driver's license. Yeah, I mean, you get like, yeah, your business card. You yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Or a little uh, ad in the penny saver. Yeah, you just you run, you drive up to the Hojo. Look at this penny saver. I demand a night. <laughs> your finest, your finest room, sir. <laughs> I'm the Draper. <laughs> the Draper's here, and I need the presidential suite. <laughs> and don't expect any money from me. <laughs> I'm aware of this madman show. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, we're going to have to leave you to I'm the Draper. <laughs> yeah, I don't see this ending well for Howard Johnson. <laughs> Not if I have anything to do with it. <laughs> what if you're a mafia Don? He's also a Draper. That's true. Don but, Draper. But like you're the cleaner or you're the whatever. So you're yeah, a mafia Don. Yeah, they call me the Draper. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you're a Don. Give me a room. <laughs> or, or you launder your money through a fake draper business. Yeah, so it's like a, like a you know. I'm just saying, there's a lot of holes in this. Yeah. For Howard Johnson, they really should have specified. <laughs> I think because now, you, now you've angered the mafia. Good job, Howard Johnson. Do you think in the '80s that they let Don Johnson stay for free? Yes. You know where Don Johnson stayed in the '80s, wherever he wanted. <laughs> What about in the 90s with Nash Bridges? He was actually kicked out of a lot of places. <laughs> he was only allowed to stay in La Quinta. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, he had been forcibly removed from so many hojos that he was pretty much unwelcome. <laughs> All right, that'll do it uh, for Slices. Stay tuned up next, Levi Weaver. Listening to The Shins, the song is The Rifle Spiral. I got their vinyl this week, and I love it. It's actually a really good album. Good it album. reminds me of Garden State. Yeah, I can see that. Reminds me of a good time in my life. Yeah. Uh, the video is playing right now on Relevant TV. Levi Weaver is a singer-songwriter from Texas. Uh, he's not yet come up with a good answer for the what kind of music do you play, though dark post-Americana art folk seems to fit pretty well yeah that's what i always go to dark post-americana art folk yeah he released his first ep the self-recorded civil war between my heart and mind in april of 06 and has since uh released a handful of albums including 2011's the letters of dr kurt godell he's toured with artists like imogen heap and kid beyond recently he came through our studio performing i'm certain i'm a train here is levi weaver Thank you. 
cup of rotten coffee My thoughts are floating on my head And if you drink them and chew them up They're only gonna make you sick I live my life like blackout bingo Trying on each home I thought might fit Now there's a bean on every square Someone's telling me I still can't win I thought leaving me things right I've quit Quit and I didn't start a fight I've spent Half my rest racing what I Escaping from my life I've paid admission to the places I have loved By pawning off pieces of my heart I'm smeared across a globe with little hope of recovering half my heart. I've spent entire years behind a wheel, wonder why it is I drive so hard. But I'm no closer to an answer ten years later than the day I tried. Start. I live. I thought leaving made things right. I've quit. Quit and bet I didn't start the fight. Escaping from my life Sometimes I'm certain I'm a train Filled with strangers We're all searching for a home Home, home we've never seen I'll keep whistling my songs low and pretty We'll keep stumbling through the night Like tunnels searching for the light
That was Levi Weaver. Check him out at leviweaver.com. You're listening to Greg Laswell. The song is I Might Drop By from the new album Landline. So joining us today is a uh, friend and very famous world changer, Pastor Rick Warren. Welcome to the Relevant Podcast. Hi, Cameron. Uh, let's see. So I met you three years ago in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I found since then that uh, my story is not um, unusual for you, but I got an email from you. And you said, hey, I'm going to Rwanda next week. Do you want to go? I just pick up stray cats wherever <laughs> I can. And, uh, and uh, if somebody would like to go with me, travel around the world, Let's you write to me, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and that's all the address <laughs> you need. If you live in Canada, it's Winnipeg, Manitoba. And uh, I'm always on the road, and I'd love to take you with me. <laughs> and so I, I said, I've never been to Africa. I've yeah. never met you. But yeah. if I want to go to Africa with anybody, it's you. I'll meet you there. And Good. so... Uh, we met in Kigali, Rwanda. Mm-hmm. I spent uh, a little more than a week there, and I was just... Bobby Grunewald went on that trip, too. That's right. We had a great group, <laughs> yeah. and we were learning about kind of the peace plan exactly. that you were working on, and it was more in its infancy in that time. It was. You, it had, was. you had been on a learning quest for a few years, right. mm-hmm. um, and, and we're just starting to deploy it. Mm-hmm. A lot's changed since then. Well, we've learned a lot. Uh, in the last uh, four years uh, of the... 2010 decade, we decided to become the first church in 2,000 years of history to go to every nation. And I didn't even know how many nations were. Jesus says, go to every nation. So I looked it up. There are 196 nations in the world, 194 are part of the UN. The only two that aren't in the UN are Serbia and Taiwan. And we said, we want to be the first church to uh, do the peace plan, uh, actually to go to any every nation uh, by the end of the decade. Wow. Yeah. And so... And so we went it. We did it, by the way. Yeah. And by 2010, you went yeah. to 196 nations. Yeah. So, so for somebody who's listening that doesn't know the heart and purpose of the peace plan, can what's what's the elevator pitch? There are some things that Jesus did while he's here on earth that we can't copy, like die on the cross for the redemption of our sins by paying with his blood. But Jesus did a number of things where he said, "I've given you an example to do. Now do as I have done unto you. Go and do likewise." And Jesus' ministry, he did five things. He planted a church, and specifically, he planted a church that promoted reconciliation. 
when, when asked what's the most important thing in the Bible, he said, I'll summarize the whole Bible in two sentences. Be right with God, be right with other people. Love God with all your heart, love your neighbors yourself. Be reconciled to God, be reconciled to each other. So the fundamental message of our lives is reconciliation. Hmm. Reconciliation to God, reconciliation to others. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. And so uh, we plant reconciliation churches. The second thing Jesus did is he equipped servant leaders. He took 70 and he took 120, and he took uh, 12. Actually, here's how he did. He loved everybody. He fed the 5,000. He trained the 70. He discipled 12, but he mentored three. Hmm. Only Peter, James, and John got to go in the Garden of Gethsemane. Only Peter, James, and John got to go on the Mount of Transfiguration, and only Peter, James, and John got to see Jesus, I mean, Peter's mother-in-law healed. Did it work? Yes. He's spending the maximum amount of time with those who bear the maximum responsibility. And in the book of Galatians, Paul calls Peter, James, and John, quote, the pillars of the church. Mm -hmm. So Jesus planted reconciliation churches. He equipped servant leaders. Third thing he did is he assisted the poor. Mm -hmm. Very important part of Jesus' ministry was caring for the poor. The very first public sermon that is recorded, Jesus preaches in his hometown of Nazareth, First sentence of the first paragraph of his first sermon, he announces his agenda. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's appointed me to preach good news to the poor. Does God have favorites? Yes, he does. God loves the poor. And there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible on the poor that says, if you help the poor, I will bless you. So Jesus planted reconciliation churches, equipped leaders, assisted the poor. The fourth thing Jesus did is he cared for the sick. And the Bible tells us that he went into every village preaching, teaching, and healing. It says it twice. He went to every village preaching, teaching, and healing. One-third of Jesus' ministry was health care. He didn't just care about getting people to heaven. He cared about their minds, their bodies, and their souls. Or he cared about education, health care, and spiritual care. He cared, he said, uh, preaching, that's evangelism. Teaching, that's education. And healing, that's caring for the body. It is not by accident that in every single uh, country in the world, the first hospital and the first school are started by missionaries. Mm -hmm. Every single country. Because Christianity is a preaching, teaching, healing faith. Jesus isn't just our savior. He's our our teacher and he's our uh, healer. So plant churches, equip leaders, assist the poor, care for the sick. And the fifth thing Jesus did is educate the next generation. Very important, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. They are the kingdom of God. If you want to do kingdom of God work, you must care about the next generation because we're always passing the baton off. He said, it'd be better for you to have a millstone tied around your head and drown in the ocean than hurt one of these little kids. He said, you'll know the truth that suits will set you free. He cared about the next generation, and he said, they are the kingdom of God. So we call that the peace plan, and the five things Jesus did, uh, we then do it the 17 ways Jesus told us to do it. Hmm. And three times in Scripture, Jesus sends out either the 12 or the 70. And in those three passages of Scripture, he gives 17 things to do. And to my knowledge, every single mission board, every single Christian organization today in existence is ignoring those 17 things. <laughs> they, they're not even paying any attention to them at all. Right. So I said, why don't we build a, a, a mission program based on the 17 things Jesus said to do and told how to do it. When he says, you go into a village, you do these things. Hmm. The, the, the trip that we went there, 
opened my eyes. I mean, I hadn't ever been, I hadn't heard. I mean, so hearing you for, you know, uh, the whole trip, yeah. casting this vision, hearing you talking to national leaders, church leaders, uh, people in remote villages, talking about this model, like, it, it, it changed me. Mm. I mean, when I came mm. back, I saw, I saw everything through a different lens. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know this, but our magazine that we launched last summer, Reject Apathy, Reject was Apathy. directly born out of that trip mm. and mm. your vision mm. with the peace plan. Because we talk about, we talk about life issues. Right. We talk about justice from a Jesus perspective right. and talk about the things that uh, talk about human life and dignity, his creation. And so we, we talk about uh, uh, preventable disease. Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, poverty. We talk about uh, creation care because right. that is a life issue. Right. Uh, we talk about defense of innocence from right. the womb to right. a- out after. Yeah. People it, ask me, say, are you pro-life? I said, no. I'm whole life. Whole life. Because yeah. I care about it every stage. In 2008, I was, uh, yeah. I, I was, I, the political season, yeah. you know, uh, I was asked a lot about yeah. our generation and how they were voting and yeah. all this stuff. And we were, we were seeing so clearly that they were frustrated with the conservative political establishment, but yet they were more staunchly pro life and more morally conservative, our generation more morally conservative than our parents. Yeah. And, and that was, like confusing to pundits, yeah, yeah. and 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 what it came down to was that they were redefining what pro life had traditionally been mm-hmm. defined as, but they were broadening it to a larger perspective than just the womb. It was the womb and right, and it was this whole life perspective. So we were together that summer at mm-hmm. uh, Stevie K's wedding, and yeah. and I and we were just chatting about this, and I said, "Yeah, I, I we're." We're just seeing that it's a it's a holistic view of pro life, or it's a holistic redefinition of pro life. And you said, "Yeah, it's whole life." Yeah. So I'm like, once again, you come up with a clear way to message everything, and uh, <laughs> and I have co opted that phrase and have been using it for years since. So. You know, it's funny talking about politics. People who don't have a faith worldview, Christian worldview only have a political worldview. Right. They see everything through politics. Right. If you don't have God in your life, then you're going to see everything from political, and you're going to read everything in a political way. Now, the biggest mistake that my generation made was my generation fell in love with the parachurch, and I want this generation to fall in love with the church. The church is going to last forever. A thousand years from today, if Jesus hadn't come back, there isn't going to be a Microsoft, but there also isn't going to be a United States of America. No, no empire lasts forever. There won't be a world vision. There won't be a compassion. There won't be any, but there will be a church because Jesus said, I will build my church. And I would say, fall in love with the local church. And See, people ask me all the time, well, if there are 2 billion Christians in the world, why isn't the church having a greater impact? I'll tell you why. Because most of the talent and the brains and the money in the church goes outside the church and forms their own little organization instead of doing it through the church. Hmm. If all of the talent that is being used in Christian organizations and money that's going to Christian organizations was actually in the church, the church would have enormous impact around the world. The the challenge is our generation came up in the 80s and 90s and saw... So much, you know, hypocrisy from leader, national leadership. They yeah. were a lot of them were really wounded by whether it be legalism or right. judgment, whatever, right. and have been very, very hurt by what is defined as or the, what their perception of the church is. Right. And so it's become an easy out to say, "Well, I love Jesus, but not the church." Yeah, right. What are your thoughts about that? It's impossible to love Jesus and not the church, right. because the church is the body of Christ. 
it would be like to me say, you know, a cameraman, I like you, I can't stand your body. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's. I that's, can't either. It's, yeah. that's terrible. Or, or, <laughs> or the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. It's like say, you know, I like you, but your wife sucks. Right. You know, right. or, you know, the Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. In fact, when you become a Christian, you're not just a believer, you're a belonger. You are baptized into the body of Christ. So a, a, a disconnected hand has no use at all. A disconnected ear has no use at all. A disconnected eye has no use at all. It cannot fulfill its purpose without being connected to the body. You cannot fulfill your purpose in life without being connected to the body. And so this is, it, it's like uh, a church, a Christian without a church family is an orphan. Mm. Now, Bonhoeffer had a lot to say about this. And he said, it is our vision of the ideal that keeps us from loving the real. He said, actually, a vision of the ideal church is actually counterproductive because then you start pining for something that isn't there because you're not perfect. Then no church you join is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And there, everything on the planet is broken, including the church. Mm-hmm. Every body's broken. Your body doesn't work perfectly. The weather's broken. The economy's broken. Every marriage is broken. Every relationship's broken because we're living a fallen planet. Nothing is perfect on this planet except um, uh, uh, the Word of God. Okay, it is perfect. It is perfect. Now, so people say, are there hypocrites in the church? Yes, and everywhere else. Right, right. Okay, in politics, in education, in music. You're telling me that every every uh, star is not a hypocrite? Right. Okay, so it, it's everywhere. Um, but I have to love the real people, not the ideal people. And I have to love the real church, not the ideal church. In fact, that's real love. It's easy to love something that's perfect. Right. Uh, and so, really, uh, I would say we have to, um, as Bonhoeffer would say, love the love the real. We uh, our our stance ever since we started as we are very pro church. Yeah. Um, we my feeling is it's easy to walk away and complain. Mm. It's not easy to be part of the change you want to see. You know, there's that quote by. Bono, who's quoting Gandhi, I guess, yeah. be the change you want to see. Right. And right. so it's like, that's a challenge to me with our generation's relationship with the church. Yeah. Uh, don't walk away and criticize its brokenness. Be part of its, you know. Well, here's, here, here's the thing. If you go to the typical Christian university and you go to Missions Week, there'll be all of these really great projects being done around the world. I mean, water projects, of, uh, 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 you know, uh, disease projects, uh, building projects, homeless projects, trafficking projects. Almost 100% of them are not being done through the local church. Mm. Okay, they're being done by somebody went up and set up a four, 501c3. There are over 40,000 501c3s in America today. And, and what we've done is we've taken it outside of the church, so who gets the glory? Let me give you an example of this. Um, for many years, we've done um, uh, shoeboxes, you know, Christmas shoeboxes. Right. Franklin okay. Graham's a friend of mine. One year, we did like 25,000 Christmas shoeboxes. And what I used to do is I used to let our people take shoeboxes overseas, and they would take them over, and they would take them to an orphanage in Africa or someplace like that, and they'd hand this shoebox to a little child, and the little child goes, oh, thank you, great white American. You are giving us so much. We love you. Our church never does anything for us like this. We actually devalue. Hmm. A lot of mission projects actually hurt the church around the world. It takes the glory away from the church. So I said, okay, look, 
You may keep on doing shoeboxes, but from now on, 100% of them have to be given out by the local indigenous church. Hmm. So you take it to Kiev and you give them to New Life Church with Anatoly, and Anatoly passes them out so the glory goes to the bride. I always tell guys when they're getting married, Cody is uh, on my staff and he's uh, he's engaged, and I say, now, Cody, you're going to have a happy wedding if you understand two things. In every wedding, the star of the show is the bride, mm-hmm. and the co-star is the mother of bride. <laughs> Everybody else is supporting cast. Okay, if you understand that, you'll have a happy wedding. The bride always gets the glory. So in the peace plan, the glory doesn't go to America. The glory doesn't even go to American churches. The glory doesn't go to an organization, doesn't go to a logo. It goes to that local church that's going to be there long after you're gone. And the other thing about the peace plan is it's training, not doing. Americans love to do. We want to go over, and if I'm a dentist, I want to go pull teeth. And it makes me a hero, but when I come home, who's going to pull teeth for the next 364 days? Right. If I'm a doctor, I want to go do surgery, but when I come home, what did I do? I want to go, if I'm a builder, I want to go build and come back. No, no. The Bible says in, in, commission, in the Great Commission, teach them to do all I've commanded. It doesn't say do it for them. The Great Commission is a training commission. Teach them to do. Don't do it for them teach them to do. So we don't, on the peace plan, we've sent now over 16,000, 14,869 in that first goal to get to every nation, to 196 nations. Now we've sent over 16,000. We don't let them go do things for other people. They go to train people. So if a guy's a, a gardener, he goes and trains people how to do gardens. If you if you know how to do graphics, you go and you train people how to do graphics. If you know how to uh, uh, form a newspaper uh business. You go teach how to do. So it's training. Teach them to do instead of doing it for them. The thing that I saw that firsthand when we were in Rwanda was uh, it was illustrated so powerfully the the western province of Rwanda has, what, three hospitals? Right. And uh, to know western Rwanda, it is the most mountainous area I've ever been to. I mean, it's lush, it's beautiful, but it is mountainous. No roads to speak of. Right. It's dirt roads. It's two hours walk to any of those hospitals. In, yeah, and then there's what? Two days walk, I mean. Two days walk. Yeah, two and then there was walk. like something like 17 clinics, but right. a, a clinic is a bottle of aspirin on a shelf. Right. I mean, it was exactly. very sparse. Right. sparse. But there were 700 churches right. in the same region. In the same region. And so when we were there, right. I saw teams that had gone over and were training these uh, the, the church families to yeah. to know how to dispense... Yeah. medical aid, right. how to use the church facility during the week for education, right. how to make the church the center of the village life, both education, health, spiritual needs being met, food, all of that. Yeah. And it's almost like the, I saw the church becoming a distribution network. It is a distribution network. And let me give you an update on that, of what's happened in that district. In, in the western province of Rwanda, there are 10 million people and only 18 clinics and as you said, most of them don't even have any medicine in them. Yeah, it was and so, unbelievable. Uh, we went and said, how about if we turn the churches into distribution centers for health care? Because historically, all health care was done by churches. Hmm. Okay? All health care. Uh, um, I, I was in uh, London, I mean in Nottingham a few years ago, and I saw uh, in the bottom of a castle uh, a diorama of what life was like in 1000 AD in England. And there was a poster. I took a picture of it. It was the peace plan. It said in 1000 AD, the church was the center of the community. It protected the arts. It developed job training. It 
taught vocational skills. It assisted the poor. It cared for the sick. It was the hospital. It was the guilds. It was all done through the church. So he said, I'm going to prove that I can do it faster through the local church than you can do it fast through any other organization or government. So we went to uh, that district, uh, to the Garanji district, and we said, uh, do any of you pastors want to train your people in basic health care? Because I said, none of your villages are ever going to have a doctor. Right. Most churches, most villages around the world will never have a doctor. There aren't enough doctors in the world to put one even in every village. So I said, you're going to have to be the health care in your village. Eighteen uh, um, pastors said, we want to do this. So I said, each of you pick two people that we're going to teach. We're going to teach them to do, Great Commission, teach them to do how to do basic health care. So we bring people in not to do health care, but to teach them how to do health care. And, and these 18 people... Uh, uh, actually, 18 pastors picked two people each, so they're 36 people. We trained them first in simple health care, how to wash your hands, how to boil the water, hang the sheets out to dry in the sun, basic sanitation, how to start uh, healthy nutritional gardens. Then we start teaching how to dress a wound, then how to stitch a wound, then how to set a bone, then how to administer ARVs for AIDS, a right. very, very technical thing. Right. That initial 36 people... Uh, doubled after three months to uh, nearly 80 because they trained others. Those 80 trained another and went to 160. Now, each of these people is given seven families to visit a week. So they're doctors making house calls, going to make a house call. That 160 went to 320. It doubled. We went to 800. We went to 1,600. Uh, I just got back from a 10-day trip there. I graduated two years later over 3,200 healthcare workers wow. in, a, in a district of 2 million people that had only one doctor in it. Now, by the end of this year, we'll have over 7,000 trained healthcare workers by the end of this year because it's multiplying exponentially. Nobody can have those statistics unless you do it through the church. So, and then you connected. The ARV thing was interesting because it was, it's, it, the government had resources to 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 provide ARV medication for people right. who are suffering with AIDS, but they had no way to get it to them yeah. because a person suffering with AIDS couldn't walk two days to the hospital to get it administered. So one of the strategies was to connect these local churches as distribution centers working with the government. Exactly. Is that happening? Yeah. And, and what happened is even if you had medicine, and we do, to help everybody who's got AIDS all around the world, it's getting it to them. Right. Well, when you talk about community development, the church is the community around the world. Right. It, and I could take you to 10 million villages around the world. The only thing in it is a local church. Right. There is no hospital. There's no grocery store. There's no post office. There's no fire department, but there's a church. The church was global 200 years before anybody started talking about globalization. It's the only truly global organization. We speak more languages in the United Nations. We're in more countries in the United Nations. We're in more people groups. When you think, uh, you know, 2.2 billion Christians in the world, um, that means one out of every three people would claim to say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So the greatest army in the world for compassion is the local church. And here we have, as I said, we're doing health care with 3,000 people visiting seven families a week doing health care, and I'm paying none of them. Mm-hmm. No staff, no overhead, no 
organizational bill because it's done by the church, of the church, for the church, to the church, to the church. This is a radical concept. And it's going back to the 17 things Jesus said on here's what you do when you go into village. And and you're you talk a lot about the three legged stool of the church partnering with economic drivers and the government, right? And that and it's that collaboration that right. really propels impact. Right. Yeah, everybody has a role. Business has a role. Government has a role. Churches have a role. There's the profit sector. There's the nonprofit sector. Uh, and then there's the faith sector. When I talk about the faith sector, I'm talking about specifically the local church. Uh, I've been to a lot of conferences where I've spoken, like the Davos World Economic Forum and TED and things, and and they're always talking about profit. We need public and private partnerships. And I say, well, you're right, but it's not enough. That's a two-legged stool. Hmm. Uh, it, it takes three legs for a stool to stand. Pub- if public and private could solve, in a partnership, could solve all of the world's problems today, we would have already solved them because there's thousands, millions of public and private partnerships around the world. But it's not enough. You need three legs of stool. You need the government, public, private, and faith. And, know, and, government, and, government, and, churches, and, and and business. The big resistance from a lot of American Christians is that the church should do this as the church and that we shouldn't rely or work with the government. I mean, yeah. that's a big kickback on the conservative Christian side of the political spectrum. Yeah. Well, actually, what I've discovered, having now done the peace plan for 10 years, and and this year, we're really kind of rolling it out to others because we feel like, okay, we've worked out all the bugs. You know, we were beta testers at, at Saddleback, and I had 16,000 guinea pigs uh, that, uh, that actually got it all worked out. And what we found out is the church actually can move much faster than the government. Governments are actually quite slow in, in moving it. But that doesn't mean we don't want to work with them. We'll work with anybody who, who, want, who wants to work. But the issue is uh, find the man of peace who's willing to work with you, who's influential and open, and, uh, and go with them. How can people find out more about the Peace Plan? You can go to uh, peaceplan, thepeaceplan.com. You can go to saddleback.com, and it'll, it'll link you over. It gives you all kinds of information on how to get started. Uh, we have an intern program at Saddleback. We take about 100 interns a year. We have a leadership academy, which trains church planters, trains worship leaders, uh, and, and trains in peace. And so uh, we can train you. Peace is not an organization. It's, it's, it's not an organization. It's just an idea. And any church can actually take the strategy. We can train your church in how to do it, whether you've got a church of 50 or 1,500. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, exciting about your vision about the peace plan and seeing it evolve and truly impact the world. And uh, thank you for your leadership and your friendship. And Well, Love Relevant and love Reject Apathy. It's one of my favorite magazines, and uh, I, I appreciate you holding up the, uh, the, the banner for the fact. Uh, I'll leave, the, leave everybody with this. If they like what they see, they'll listen to what we say. Right, right. And you got to show it. Right. And, and you know, the, the gospel is an announcement to be shared, not an argument to be shoved. That's good. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay. Well, stay tuned. Up next, Levi Weaver. You're listening to Jack White. Song is Missing Pieces from his new album, 
blunderbuss. Levi Weaver uh, is a, a, has a unique live show, and and when he recorded, he had a really cool setup. Yeah, he really did. If you ever seen Damien Rice perform, he's got a couple mics where one of them is like really distorted, one of them sings normal, and he's got like the looper pedals. So he had like his vo- vocal reverb going through one mic, and he was looping stuff, and he ended up doing a, a cover of Radiohead's Idiotech, where he was like playing the rhythm on his guitar, like just slapping his guitar to play the rhythm, and then he started looping that, and then started bowing his acoustic guitar. It was unbelievable. It was really crazy, because most singer-songwriters, you're just like, okay, whatever, you're playing a guitar and you're singing your songs. His was a pretty complex setup, and it was really interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, the videos of these performances will be up on Relevant TV next week uh, uh, because of uh, the new issue and some other projects. We didn't get them up in time for this podcast, but they will be up on Relevant TV next week, and we'll make sure to let you know. Performing Spirit First, here is Levi Weaver. This house, but it fell down before I got one night of sleep. So, how does that beat all the fools who never tried? They missed the moon and rented rooms, traded stories over food. I worked alone, broke my bones with all my pride. I desired royal attire So I acquired the emperor's skin Held a parade And begged the world to look inside I wanted fame Cause I thought fame Could prove to me that I was great It never came I was a failure to myself It's the way the world to swallow you alive the way of the world to swallow you alive spirit first it's been so long singing songs I couldn't possibly still mean Guess their lives if they lost the truth they had. It's so hard to get well, writing postcards home from hell. I'd rather pack, I'd rather leave this all. It's the way of the world to swallow you alive. The way of the world. Swallow you live, spirit first.
Yet one life I spent mine Chasing highways made of ghosts So I don't know the way home From where I stand I believed I was free Till I forgot what I believed Now I don't even need chains To hold me down That was Levi Weaver. Check out his uh, new album, The Letters of Dr. Kurt Godel. You're listening to Neon Trees. The song is Moving in the Dark. It should be very noticeable given Neon Trees <laughs> moving around in the dark. Um, okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week we asked you, what is the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a music festival? Uh, what prompted it was the Tupac hologram, quote unquote, I put quotes around that word, uh, performing at Coachella. Uh, Maybe that's not the oddest thing that's ever happened at a music festival. Um, you know, we've all been to music festivals. We've all seen things. Uh, we wanted to hear from you, the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Uh, so you went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and posted your replies there. Here's a few of our favorites. Oh, John Frost had, had my favorite. He said he was at Cornerstone in high school, and he went to go see Five Iron Frenzy. Uh, they were at the peak of their career, so they're playing at the main stage. And he said the act – I want to know what year this was because he said the act was followed by MC Hammer. <laughs> and uh, he, Was that Cornerstone? John Frost says mm-hmm. he was actually – he thinks Hammer was just on Hammer time uh, during that time because he showed up about an hour late. Uh, by the time his bus rolled in with this huge entourage, you know, the natives were getting restless and they said it was uh, sadly nowhere as near as cool as he had hoped. I find that really hard to believe. <laughs> I think, well, I remember that show actually. And I think uh, Hammer at one point wanted to stop the show early, but uh, his manager told him that he couldn't quit. He was just too legit. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> just move on. <laughs> uh, well, the uh, guys uh, is the name of this commenter. That sounds like um, an early 90s R&B group. Yeah, it's, yeah. He, he may, maybe he was a member of one. Um, he said he was at Ichthus last year, and he, they were listening to Derek Webb. And in the middle of one of his songs, or in between songs, you can't remember, he started getting heckled by some guy about how he shouldn't cuss in a Christian song. He said it got really awkward, but Derek Webb handled it well by calmly telling the guy he would love to talk to him afterward. But he said the whole exchange was just uh, incredibly uncomfortable for everyone there. Um, speaking of that, uh, Pete Juvenal said he saw POD at the main stage of Cornerstone that, you know, they were performing and then someone got hurt, presumably like in a mosh pit. And so POD decided to leave the crowd in a worship set, which I feel like would be really strange. You're coming to hear and really awesome. You're coming to hear fundamental elements of Southtown. And then instead you're singing. The open, yeah. And then suddenly it's open the eyes of my heart. Yeah, you're waiting for, <laughs> you know, because when you go, here comes the boom. Yeah. And if the boom never comes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, there's a bunch more of your uh, feedback. So if you want to read other uh, summer music festival weirdness, head over to last week's podcast episode page and uh, you can even join the conversation. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the podcast, 
Jesse pointed out that Maya and his wife put him on blast for being an instigator of one of their pet peeves. Leaving free time. heat and, and free time, <laughs> as Calvin would say. Exactly. Uh, n- not clearing the microwave when you're done with it. So it got us thinking about other pet peeves. And uh, we thought this week's question should be, what are your pet peeves? Head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com, and you can leave your replies there. I'm, ex- I'm expecting a lot of Facebook etiquette ones, too. Oh, Th- those no. seem to be uh, uh, pretty prominent these days. Like, you know? like what? What would be what would be bad Facebook? Like, like people saying like, "Oh, re- th- I can't believe that just happened." What? You know, just baiting you <laughs> to ask, "Oh, what's wrong? Uh, oh, how yeah. can I help?" Oh. Vague booking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge. That's a huge annoyance by me. If yeah. the, the one of my pet peeves about Facebook is when people still do the uh, their comment posts or their their status updates as is going to the yeah. mall later. Like they still do the connection. Like they're making a sentence. You don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's another one for me is, is totally unnecessary updates. Like, you know, sitting in traffic or, or you know, <laughs> just landed in St. Louis. Great. Thanks for the update. Now I got to read past yours to look at somebody's, you know, funny quiz answers. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, the pet peeves they leave don't, don't have to be Facebook related, but. Those There's probably good, a lot out there. Those are some good ones, though. Well, what else would be? I mean, like... Like people who take ice cubes and don't replace them in the ice cube tray, like without refilling. Just take Once half. again, not a big deal. No, you take three quarters <laughs> of the ice cube tray, and then you just put it back in so there's two left for the next person. That's infuriating. <laughs> What's infuriating? <laughs> because there's, like... Uh, Ryan, it would, be, it would be so much fun to be a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> I would do everything possible that's like, you know, mildly. Like when I turn off the TV, uh-huh. I would leave the volume up super, super. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so yeah. If you want to head over to the podcast episode page, we'd love to hear your pet peeves. Maybe we can reenact them next week on the podcast. Or I can write a song about it. <laughs> right. And we yeah. can perform you it. You can score Malice it. in yeah. Wonderland. So, so, so maybe we could bring them in. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could actually test out how annoying these pet peeves are. Like, you could do one of them, and we can rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. Like, leave the, the, the new toilet paper roll actually just on top of the thing and not put it on there. You, no worries. I do that anyway. You might be the worst human in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if it's a big deal to you, then fix it. But I don't care. <laughs> Did you not have a mom? He didn't need a mom. He had Phil Collins. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, you know, I haven't lived at home since I, you know, once yeah. I moved out at college, it was like, well, I sweet, just, this is awesome. I can do whatever I want. I mean, the only reason I, I care no, about... No, one, no one's forced me to, to put the toilet paper roll back <laughs> on, you know? All right, so go head over to the podcast episode page and tell us your pet peeves. Many thanks to uh, Pastor Rick Warren for coming through. Um, if you want to learn more about the peace plan... And uh, ways that you and your group can get involved, check out thepeaceplan.com or hit up Saddleback's website and you can find it there as well. When he came through the office, he like swooped in. I mean, literally swooped. Mm-hmm. Kind of gave me a glancing, hey, good to see you. And then just went and spent time talking to every single person in the office. Hugs for everyone. Hugs for 
everyone. Um, it's it's awesome. Um, the, what we ran here on the podcast was uh, an amended, abbreviated uh, portion of the conversation we had. Uh, I think we ran about a 10-minute segment of what was about a 20-minute conversation. If you want to hear the full conversation, it's fascinating. If you want to hear the full conversation, uh, we have it uh, as a direct link on our podcast episode page. You can just stream it or download it right there. Uh, it's worth a listen. It's uh, really challenging. Levi Weaver, uh, you can check out his new album, The Letters of Dr. Kurt Godel, and his performance videos from the Relevant Studio Sessions will be up on Relevant TV uh, sometime next week. This week, the new issue of Relevant is hitting mailboxes. I've been seeing the uh, Twitter, all the tweets of people uh, getting the new issue. It features our friend Don Miller on the cover like you've never seen him before. It's actually a fascinating cover story because uh, if, you, if you've ever read Don's books, right. you know Penny. Penny wrote the story. So it is a... Uh, she, she takes us to see a side of Don and the story and him over the last 15 years that I've never heard before. Yeah, although I will say if you've seen any of the Snuggy Talk videos, that's a side of Don that I'd never seen before right. either. So. Right. So leading, up, so leading up to the new issue release, uh, we've been releasing... Snuggy Talk videos, one a week. Right. We've been leaking them. Today will be the final one. Today will be the last one. We have four. Right. And they are uh, progressively more uncomfortable and progressively funnier. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we got Don to uh, go to our studio and don a Snuggy and read uh, excerpts of Christian romance novels. <laughs> and we filmed it, and it's on YouTube. So if you want to see those, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, just search for relevant or Don Miller or Snuggy. Uh, Snu- if you t- if you search for Snuggy talk on YouTube, some crazy stuff's going to come up. But Don will be part of it. Um, uh, so yeah, so the new issue is hitting uh, all mailboxes. The new issue is uh, for the iPad is also now up in the uh, store. Uh, it's it's uh, optimized for the Retina display. The new resolution. It looks amazing on on that device. And uh, we're really excited about it. Uh, for those of you who have iPads, go check it out. Print subscribers get the iPad edition for free included. Um, or you can just subscribe there on iTunes. Uh, but if you aren't a subscriber yet and want to get this issue of the magazine, uh, if you go over to relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe, uh, you can uh, so, you know sign up now and you will get it sent to you in a couple weeks. So uh, you won't miss out. Get it now because next week we're going to bring the editors in to talk about the behind the scenes of the issue. There you go. So. And you won't want to be lost. So um, we love your support and it's a good issue. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, so you can subscribe at our website. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Sammy Saturday. <laughs> I'm Ryan Ham. <laughs> I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> That's Todd Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. The Draper's here, and I need the presidential suite.